Modern Rock for Cincinnati and Dayton, 97X, and Black Coffee in Bed from Squeeze. I threw in some Gaggy Ta in there as well, and we started things off with some Too Much Joy. At midnight tonight, it's XCD, where you'll hear a classic Modern Rock album in its entirety. Tonight, Brian Ewing will have Smashing Pumpkins and their classic Gish. It's all brought to you by the Oxford Kroger Savon here on 97X, the future of rock Dave, and roll. That's Dave. Right at midnight. Yeah. Dave, yes, Damien? Um, sorry to interrupt it, your reverie, but yeah. we're not actually huh? on the air at 97X. I'm about ready to play a replacement song. Why are you interrupting? Oh, well, then don't let me stop you. Go ahead. <laughs> Some bastards of young left at the dial. What do you got for me? It's going to be a double shot, as a matter of fact. Oh, time. nice. A twin spin. Uh, yes. No, Dave, actually, you're in your palatial estate. I'm in my basement, a.k.a. the party dungeon, and we're just doing a podcast about those wonderful, magical 97X days. But the good news is you mentioned that at midnight, uh, Brian Ewing would be spinning XCD, and Brian Ewing is actually here. Brian, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's good to be here again at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> You spent a lot of time in the cave, didn't you? I did. I spent about three years doing full-time overnights. Wow. So. It was three years? Wow. Three years. I had no idea it was that long. Because I, I thought you moved around to a couple other time slots. You stayed mostly in the cave? Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I think I was there for half a year, maybe a year, uh, doing uh, some part-time on the weekends. And then it was about about three years uh, full time overnight. What years were those? Do you remember? Do you remember what years you were doing overnights? It would have been ninety one, ninety two, and about three years after that. So it was you know right in the heart of grunge getting started with you know Nirvana. I know we were playing a lot of that, and uh, you know everything come out of Seattle, Screaming Trees, and and whatnot. So that was that that was a big part of it. But yeah, I mean it was it was that early '90s kind of time frame. Now, how did you connect with the station to start doing part time? Um, you know, I I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. It CSB. Is, um, and of course, in the contract, when you graduate, you have to say it like that. Um, so. Um, yeah, I I was doing a little bits here and there on. Uh, I worked at um, at a rock station out of Cincinnati, and I had a uh, they had a sister station that was a big band radio station. So you know, I was kind of covering all those bases, and you know, I was just I definitely wanted to do something a little bit more up my alley. And I mean, I I I'd, I'd been like you know, as a kid, I remember you know trying to trying to listen to 97X to get Dr. Demento, well, not X, but 97.7, trying to listen to Dr. Demento. And, you know, obviously when I was in high school, 97X was the, was the shiznit. So um, it was just, it was always in my path of that's kind of what I wanted to get to. And I just, I think I just, I just threw up a tape and got lucky, I guess. Yeah. When, when we heard you um, back selling a Glenn Miller song on the big band station, it's like that guy. <laughs> Is going to yes, love playing some Sex Pistols. <laughs> yes. Meet <laughs> Meat Manifesto would be right at his well, wheelhouse. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's right up there. It's, it's um, you know, that was, that was my first, like, I was just a board op gig, basically. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading news and reading weather and pressing buttons and looking to get, you know, beyond that. And, you know, obviously 97X was at that time and you know all the way through its run was the thing that everybody wanted to do um so i really do consider myself lucky that i got in and was able to do that full-time shift for that long so 
And you were also uh, part of the duo Messerly and Ewing and, and performed for many years and still do some gigs here and there in the age of non-COVID. But which came first? Like, wh when did you start playing music? Um, you know, Mark and I um, met when we were doing, um, like, singer-songwriter nights and uh, open mics and stuff around Cincinnati. Uh, and that would have been, uh, like, late 80s. So, yeah, that definitely came first. And I remember, um, you know, some of the first things that we did, some of our first really awful recordings, uh, turning those in for 97 Exposure and, like, listening to the radio that night saying, oh, oh, they're going to they're gonna mention us, aren't they? No. And, you know, not so much. But, um, yeah, so it, it Mesheville and Ewing was around probably five years or so. Uh, before I got hooked up with uh, uh, with 97X. Now, uh, then after you left 97X, if I remember correctly, was it 98? You uh, you guys were the exposure winners. Um, it was oh two. Uh, I think it oh, was the it was the second to last year. Right. I know that much right off so, the top of my head. It was the second to last year. Um, yeah, that was that was God. That was amazing. <laughs> Well, it opened up doors. You guys got a tour bus. I believe you did about a five-country tour. Uh, you were on Atlantic Records, all from that exposure victory, correct? Yes, it was five countries, but they were all the same country. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, it was not really as, you know, you spin no. things. You you really try to make it bigger than it is. So yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not, honestly, I mean, we we got a lot of exposure out of that. Um, you know, we we did uh, tour quite a bit, playing around. Um, you know. Uh, shows you know definitely in the in the region i mean i got i got mentioned in 90 in uh in rolling stone i mean and it was there was an article about 97x that year and it was just one of the quick things it's like and they also support local bands like these people nobody's heard of um so you know but it's it's there and i still have a copy of that it's got i think it's got 50 cent on the cover and i showed it to my mom and she was like wow that's nice <laughs> but you know, she, it's she, I, I she just wanted those, to read more about Fifty Cent. I know she was really interested in that. I don't know. I just have to see how that plays out. But you know, I, the the exposure was awesome. I mean, we got we we did get uh, an awful lot out of that. I mean, uh, that we definitely used like the the prize money to to put out the next album that we did. All of those fun things and just you know all that exposure was awesome. Yeah. Another thing that that I always think of with you, uh, especially now it was a year of an election, is rock the vote. You were like yep. the first person to really pick up that mantle at 97X uh, and, and ran with it and, 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 you know, worked it into a lot of our events. And, and, am I correct? You were registering yep. people to vote? Yeah, I mean, that was that was the that was the big thing. I mean, I, I've, I've always been you know very politically active and still am. Um, but that was, you know, back in the days before um, it was relatively simple to register to vote. You just go to your DMV and do it. There was actually a process you had to go through. And I had to go down to the department uh, to the um, Board of Elections and, you know, sign some paperwork and be trained on how to do all this stuff. And um, I, I mean, the big one I remember was the um, 10th anniversary show at Bogart's. Mm -hmm. Um, me and I actually I think I did go rent a big Uncle Sam hat so that's that was the that was the thing just so everybody would know it's the the other really tall guy the one with the hat that's the one that you want to go talk to about voting then uh, I also remember you being a uh, caterer for the stars because you were the one that delivered the information uh, at a day in Eden 
that the Wailing Souls were not going to go on stage because there was meat on the fruit tray. Am I correct in that story? Uh, I, I you see that that is story? true. There was there was there was meat involved, as I recall, and as, as as the other part of that was there was no hot tea available anywhere in, in, in the Day in Eden premises. So I actually did have to run home to Clifton because I was living in Clifton at the time and make some tea and bring it back. And I do remember handing it to the the, the lead singer from uh, Wailing Souls. And he took like a half a sip and then like said, oh, that's nice. Thanks. And handed it back to me. It was done. <laughs> <laughs> well worth the trip back to Clifton. Oh, yes, it was. It was awesome. <laughs> that That was like, you know, 40 minutes of my life that I'll just never forget. <laughs> We could go on and on about Day and Eden because that thing was just an absolute train wreck. That's before the Goo Goo Dolls nearly came to fisticuffs with the sound people from uh, the city of Cincinnati. But yeah, yeah, and just, the Judy Bats they were uh, they were standing by and yeah, were yeah not taking it uh, well either. So yeah, oh, that yeah. was it. Could you know just think how how rock could be so different now if the <laughs> if the Judy Bats had had killed. The, the Goo Goo Dolls and we never had those those later albums that were so amazing yeah the, all I those would, stations that play the best hits of the 80s 90s and today would, would have yes. you know half their catalog would be gone I think well, maybe I, I, the world would be a darker place let's just go there <laughs> no maybe the Judy Bats would have been the Goo Goo Dolls oh, yeah, that. Right. I don't know I think I still think that my money was on the Judy Bats there were more of them yeah you're right <laughs> Very true. Well, let's take a step back from those wonderful Day in Eden memories, but just 97X in general. So then you did uh, part-time, and then you worked overnights for three years. What are your fondest memories of that time in your life? Uh, I mean, the, the thing that I, I, and I still bring this up to anybody who will like, continue to listen to me about my 97X stories, um, is the fact that when I first started there, the jocks made their own set lists, their own, uh, the, they were basically, basically able to pick the, the songs that they wanted. You had loose categories, you, you came up with a card file and you picked out REM and then you went to the wall and you could pick pretty much anything that was marked as a sticker to play and just about everything was for the most part. Those were some of the, the best memories of, it was getting into 97X, right towards the tail end of when radio was still very much jock driven and not so much pre-programmed. And I mean, even when, you know, 97X uh, went to, uh, did go to the computer, there were still a lot of open slots. And you know, here, you just fill this, play what you want to hear. And especially on overnight, you know, I was, I was given the opportunity to pull out of any of the subcategories of any of the specialty shows. So I could pull, you know, I could pull John Mayall out of the blues, or I could pull, you know, Yellow Man or whatever out of reggae. I could go and pull some extra beat stuff. Just play what you wanted at least once an hour. You could just go and pull something completely out of left field. And I, I loved that. And I think that the people who listen to 97X loved all of that variety of music that they got in that. But you boycotted the Wailing Souls on the overnight. After I did. They didn't I never, like I never played them again. I, I, I said, you know, it's overnight. Nobody knows this. I said that I played it, but I didn't. <laughs> now, uh, did you give a shout out uh, to the other important job that you had for three years working overnights? Which was? The trash. 
Yeah, well, there was trash. The trash was involved. Um, I, you know, not for nothing, but uh, you guys were, for the most part, a relatively clean crowd. I mean, it, it was nothing like working at the big band station. Those guys were pigs. So, um, uh, you know, it, that, that actually was not the biggest thing. I mean, the things I remember, I mean, definitely because I was driving out of Clifton to get up to Oxford every night. It's going up and down Route 27. I think I have that thing memorized, and I and I probably could and probably often did drive completely asleep. <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean the other things. I mean, I I loved that when I first started, we were in that back studio against mm -hmm. the back wall, and you know we we everybody said, oh yeah, we're out on the party patio. It's you know 90 degrees or whatever, and and people don't sometimes I don't think realize there actually was a patio right outside the door with a big glass pane in it. And so I'm sitting there in the middle of the night and inevitably somebody's having a party or a kegger at some sorority or some fraternity and they decide that it's time to go hang out on the party patio. So two o'clock in the morning, there's knocking on the door. And I mean, it's literally, you're standing there and nothing between you and the rowdy listeners except a little plane, a little pane of glass and a very rickety door. But I mean, it was fun. I mean, that's, that's, that's just kind of, that's something that you do not get now. You don't get that that kind of that kind of connection to the people who are listening to your station or the fans that you have, and they just loved it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't ever like anything that would be I would consider dangerous or uh, nefarious. It was just that they wanted to be part of it, and they could. That's very cool, and and yeah, that was a rickety uh, screen door or storm door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then, Brian, you and, and Mark Messerly, and we had him on before, we like to call him the lesser half of Messerly and Ewing. But it's, I, actually, I actually like to call him the lesser third of Messerly and Ewing. It's, Mark is the other third of the duo, of course, Messerly and Ewing. So, <laughs> For those of you yeah. not in the know, Mark rather diminutive and Brian quite tall. Yes. Stocky. I think we'll go with stocky. I'm big boned. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you had that top hat on. Oh yes, it was. Yeah, definitely. But, but you uh, have a pretty impressive catalog of work over a couple of decades because you put out music back when you were on the air at ninety seven X. But even into the mid teens, you had albums out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we did four or five albums. Um, I mean, we were definitely pretty prolific i mean mark is as as uh, an amazing songwriter is you know writes all the time you know he's, he's writing with wussy but he's also writing his own stuff and doing his own music um you know and between the two of us i mean it, there was never a there was never a dearth of of having songs to do it was pretty much just trying to to whittle it down was sometimes you know one of our one of our biggest problems but um yeah i mean those those are just great 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 times doing those i mean just getting out and playing them but also you know the time spent in the studio putting those things together and all the people that we got to work with doing them yeah i mean that's those are just amazing i just love that stuff and you originally connected you said at kind of open mic night so post pandemic like what would be your advice to somebody that's in high school like you were and just you know i've got some songs i want to play how do i get out there yeah, I mean, the pandemic definitely throws a uh, throws an interesting wrench into it, especially if you're singing. I mean, you know, everybody, nobody can share the same mic. Bring your own mic. That'd be tip number one. <laughs> Bring your own mic. Um, I mean, not for nothing. We used to do that 
when we were out playing those things anyway sometimes because there were some cooties i'll just say it. i mean <laughs> you never know you, you you look at the lineup of the people who are playing the open mic before you and you don't know these people i mean they could be nice enough but you know you, you just you know you, you take your precautions i guess is the way you say but i mean i i think the big thing is I mean, I, I know it's, it's, it's less about that than it is about, you know, the, the bars being open. I mean, we're not open past 10 as it sits right now. I mean, those are big things. It's, it's gotta be, um, you know, finding venues to play, but I mean, any more, you know, it's, it's recording your stuff. If you're sitting down, play it, record it on YouTube and put it out, get people's, you know, just make it available for people to, to hear what it is that you're doing. I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of what we were doing when we were playing all those open mics, it was just trying to hone our craft, um, you know, get the songs to where we wanted them, but then also to let people hear them. And those things are, those are things that you can do, again, not quite to the extent you're not getting the great feedback that you get from a live audience. But, you know, if you're at least doing that, and you're, then you're at least moving your, you're at least moving your music forward. Uh, agree, but I was like post pandemic. So assuming, you know, oh, vaccine. Post pandemic, yeah. get out and play. Okay. Any place that'll let you play. It's, you know, it's not, I mean, that was our thing. I mean, we, we were playing open mics where you get up and you play two or three songs and there's a big list of people that you're up behind, all with different levels. Some are great. Some are just getting started. If you're just getting started, those are the best things. I mean, we, we played, you know, all over, all over Cincinnati. We played some, some stuff in, in Dayton. We would always come up to Canal Street, who always had an awesome uh, open mic and, and it would give you a half an hour to play. So it's just play. I mean, especially once this, once this pandemic is over, get out and play. Yeah. And they, that's, that's the best thing you can do. Because I do think that a lot of kids today do think it's like, oh, well, I'll just record it in my bedroom, post it on YouTube and see what happens. But that's not a substitute for that live no. connection and the, c- creating a stage presence, learning how to work a crowd and performing in front of people. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you're you're getting that you're getting that awesome feedback. I mean, you can you can tell just looking out in the audience if you're if you've got people's attention, if you've got uh, the feedback of a of a of a of a good round of applause or people coming up to you telling you that they like that particular song. I mean, you know, those those that type of feedback is not something that you're going to get if you're just exclusively doing it online and those those are those are the types of situations that are kind of getting lost a little bit in what's going on i mean even before covid that was starting to get lost as, as a longtime listener of the podcast uh, you know that uh, our length is two bella lugosi's are dead uh, the length of our podcast we're coming up uh, to the end of the uh, second song which is a great bathroom song when you're doing overnights by the way oh yeah those those are awesome but i just want to uh, shout out again number one you were a great professional working there uh, and, and now, as I said, looking back on it, and, and this has been over the last 15 or 20 years, I, you know, I didn't realize how much, you know, the rock, the vote, the political stuff, the things you did in the background of the station were, were very influential and were right on target. I think, I think uh, uh, Doug and Linda, and, and I guess probably you worked under Phil Manning, all, yeah. all, you know, we all probably really appreciated all that work that you had put in there. Oh, was, I mean, that was my pleasure to do. It really was. And you look great in an Uncle Sam hat, so you know it was kind of a win-win. Yes. Well, you know, not everybody can not everybody can rock the this Uncle Uncle Sam hat. So, well, what's going to be great though is when we post pictures of this uh, podcast up and some of the ones from the past, you're going to see a lot of cargo pants. <laughs> <laughs> 
parachute pants, baby. Rock them. <laughs> Brian, do you, like right now, is there some place where folks could listen to your music? Um, I know we, we still have the, um, uh, we still have the, um, the garage band stuff is out there and um, it's on YouTube. The last the YouTube it's on, uh, it's on iTunes. The last one that we put out is out on iTunes. Um, so, and Bandcamp, you know, various sundry places. So it's out there. I mean, there's, if you, even if I, I, every once in a while, I'll just because I'm, you know, narcissistic this way, we'll do that, uh, that uh, Google search to see what's going on. And, and a lot of that stuff still does come up. So yeah, I mean those those are the places to for the for the most part that you can find it, especially the, you know the last few albums that we did, and MySpace too. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you know we're you know, we're we're looking at getting onto Parlor, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Well, on that uh, sour free, note, baby. live free. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, it's been great catching up with you. It's been way too long. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us yeah. today. Not a problem. Thanks, guys. 97X. Inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle and like the best French champagne. It's vintage dated. Rumblings from the Big Bush.